I always think it's funny how like scary the word networking is. Because it's like the feeling of like putting yourself out there, having to meet people. But I think the interesting thing is that like when you're in school or like when you're doing these online classes, like that's pretty much all that you're doing, you're networking. I always say it's like networking is more like making friends. One of the coolest things is that a lot of the work I've gotten has been because of networking. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozolanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Vanessa Chinebwa. They are a Black artist working as a background artist at Six Point Harness. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm... Ghanaian-American. I'm first generation. My parents hail from Ghana. Um, I'm about 23 years old. I only graduated college like a year ago. Um, yeah, I've been working at Six Point Harness as a background artist for, let's say, about eight months now. Pretty long time. Um, this is actually my first full-time job. I've been working freelance since uh, 2020, since the pandemic has started. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, other than that, I like uh, playing video games. I play ukulele. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> But it's something I like to do in my free time. And yeah, this is a little spiel about me. Well, I'm super excited to get to know you a little bit more. But before we get into all of that, the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. All right. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather fight against ghosts? like in Danny Phantom, or against glitches, like in Glitch Tech? Easy. Danny Phantom. I would rather fight this. Danny Phantom. <laughs> I already love, like, this, like, supernatural stuff. Like, that's, like, one of my favorite genres. And, like, Danny Phantom was, like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite shows. Like, that has no-brainer fight ghosts, like, in Danny Phantom. <laughs> it's so good. No, this, this is definitely, like... Because I, I like both shows. Definitely Danny Phantom is more nostalgic, and I love Danny Phantom a lot more than Glitch Text. But so I feel like, yeah, I feel like it'd be hard for Glitch Text to compete. But yeah, at this point, I'm trying to think is like, what are my resources? Danny Phantom is lucky that like his, um, his parents built a lot of the stuff that he just gets to borrow and use. Mm. But Glitch Text, you actually get funded through a company. But then again, you also have to work as like... So true. It's basically 9 to 5. Yeah, yeah. You basically work at 9 to 5. And it's also like one of the Apple nerds. What are they called? Apple Geek Support? Apple Yeah, tech like support? Geek Squad and Best yeah, Buy or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah, you're basically one of those people. That's true. I don't know. I do like the gauntlets and I do like the that they get power-ups because it's kind of like a game. But I feel like without the suit... Or without the gauntlet, I'm nothing. Dang! <laughs> if I was like Danny Phantom, I could turn ghosts whenever I want. And I don't need an object or material to, like, be Danny Phantom. Like, who wouldn't want white hair and glowing <laughs> green eyes? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Your Super Saiyan moment, basically. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. go ghost. Yeah, see, also, he also has a cool catchphrase. Exactly. That's, that's, that's true. A too. He's got a lot mm-hmm. going for him. That was a solid show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I guess I also uh, I would I would fight against ghosts. I go against the supernatural and just keep borrowing stuff from my parents that they keep building. <laughs> <laughs> I like how uh, stealing from your parents is like a factor. <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah, it's just it's just a great situation. If Danny Phantom didn't have those, well, again, if Danny Phantom didn't have those parents, he wouldn't have become Danny Phantom. But 
if he was if he had the powers without the resources, he'd just be kind of like aimlessly flying around trying to figure out how do I trap these ghosts. It's true. What about you, Yuki? Honestly, I've never uh, watched Glitch Text. I know like the premise and what happens, kind of, mm-hmm. but I've never watched it. In a way, I think if I like was a person who knew enough about computers to be like a Geek Squad person, I would mm-hmm. feel good about myself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just like don't know anything. I'm like so technologically inept. Wyatt will come over and he'll be like, why is your computer so slow? And he'll be like, why do you have so many viruses on your computer? And I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I think that would be cool. I kind of like the idea of gamifying your uh, your skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could get to a point where you even have a familiar. You can like unlock a familiar and have that be like your fighting crime buddy. <gasps> that sounds so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, like, at, at, like at the end of the day, like obviously going ghost but i i do see the appeal of being a glitch tech for sure here's the thing here's the thing that might change my answer because also i forgot in glitch techs you kind of travel with the party so you're it's kind of like you're not always by yourself you can be working with other people and that might be fun when you can when you're doing the fight uh, fighting crime or stopping crime with some buddies i don't know on a team yeah and i guess i guess if you think about it you are getting paid Versus Danny Phantom. Oh, that's true. You are getting paid. Okay, I'm, I'm changing. I'm going. Hopefully, sorry. you're getting I'm, paid well. I, I'm sorry, Vanessa. I'm going. I'm switching over to glitch tech. I'll be a glitch tech just, just for the payment, and also the fact that I can, you know, fight crime with a buddy. Wow. Uh, but, but if you if you were to watch any episode, Yuki, I'll rec- I forget the name of it, but there's an episode where it's basically like the Genyu Force. Oh my oh, god! Yeah, I mean, like, I got I gotta one. watch it for sure. They even have like a similar like uh like theme like mm-hmm. like go to Sentai go to Sentai. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, last question: Which kick-ass comic relief would you rather have your back? Sokka from Avatar or Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho? No, <laughs> he's really hitting me with the hard choices. <laughs> this is the hardest part of the interview. It's okay. That's so true. Oh my gosh, like. As a kid, I had a crush on Sokka, but Kuwabara <gasps> really? is like, <laughs> it's like one of my <laughs> favorite Sokka comic reliefs in like all of the animation. This is so hard. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh my gosh. I, can't, I don't even know if I can answer this one. <laughs> 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 okay. If I had to pick, if I had to be like to my true self, it would have to be Sokka. I love okay, Kuwabara yeah. so much, but <laughs> like Sokka was like there for me first. Sokka was like, He's just Sokka. I can't. I can't put it any other way. <laughs> oh wait. So Sokka was there for you first. So you watched Avatar before you watched Yu Yu Hakusho. I knew of Yu Yu Hakusho when I was a kid. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I didn't like. I didn't like really, really knew. I just like kind of knew. Oh, isn't that the show with like a character who has a pacifier? Um, but I was like mm-hmm. a huge Avatar fan when that when it first came out. Um, and then like mm-hmm. years later, I actually watched all of Yu Yu Hakusho. Now it's like one of my favorite animes. Um, mm. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, Avatar came out when I was, like, five years old, I think. No, that's just because I watched, like, Yu Yu Hakusho, like, when it came on to Nami, I would watch it. I don't remember anything of it, but I remember watching it as a kid. So that's, that's interesting to me. I think I would have to also agree with you. I love Sokka. Sokka is super funny. He's, like, a bro. It's, yeah. So I would love for, like, Sokka to have my back. And yeah, then the double we'll, Sokka we'll, stands. Yeah, yeah, we'll be the boomerang squad. Because, yeah, I still find that, like, screenshot funny. 
where they're all sending a blast to Azula and you see Sokka's boomerang. <laughs> like it's going to do anything. It, I'm actually, in that shot, Azula knocks away Sokka's boomerang first because she knows that he's a threat. <laughs> um, actually, Azula's really scared of Sokka because she doesn't understand people who are non-benders who can actually do stuff. So she's like, what the fuck is happening there? Um, uh, that's true. That's who she has in her... I was going to say... Uh, Sokka and, and Azula did have some intimate moments in that like that like final like scene when they're fighting in those caves. Pretty crazy. Yeah, well she like genuinely because uh also at that that time in the caves that was during Sozin's comet, so like or not Sozin's comet, the other one. The solar eclipse. Uh, solar so eclipse, yeah. she didn't have her bending powers at that time. So like both oh, yeah. of them were like, you know, hand to hand. Equal footing. Mm-hmm. Kind kinda. It was, yeah, it was a good, <laughs> good setup. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like Sokka that much when I was growing up. <laughs> really? I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I was like, uh, he's like this. Why is he even here? He's just like getting in the way. I mean, I was like, a, I was like a child. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but when I rewatched it again, like a few years ago, I was like, huh. Sokka had like a lot of development. It was pretty cool to see his like growth from like he like genuinely was like misogynistic and like mm-hmm. not a cool guy i mean he was like a he was also a child he's like what mm, 13 15. or something yeah 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 so i was like oh, okay that's fine and then like through the course of of the series he actually has like a lot of like maturity and growth and he's not just like a you know smart inventor guy he, he really thinks about it which is like really cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. regarding this question i'm gonna go with kuwabara because i love <laughs> I love a delinquent. It's I so, love a rival turned friend. Um, it's, uh, such a good <laughs> who's, who's who's the live actor? Blake Griffin is that the the basketball Griffin, player? Yeah. yeah. Do you you want to hang out with Blake Griffin mean. then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. He is. I forgot about that. Yes, I love his pompadour. I I love the whole <laughs> the whole look. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with my boy Kuwabara. I'll cheer him on. Him and his weird Solid choice. key sword. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, no, both are honestly both good at I feel like Kobar would actually be able to like like Kobar will throw down. He'll like punch a guy for you. I feel Absolutely. like if someone messes with you. Yeah. But like Sokka would try to like either defuse a situation or like try to find like a creative way out of it. But <laughs> but I think Kobar just straightforward was like punch you in the face and that's it. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I think I'll stick with Sokka. So Sokka is what you're going with, Nessa? Yeah, for sure. I love Kuba. <laughs> I love you, Hakusho. <laughs> if this was like Masaka a twist between way. like Zuko and like Karama, then it would be a totally different answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really? I'm sorry right. to get controversial, but like... Zuko Kor- I mean, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do, you prefer, do you prefer the emo boys? Do you prefer the like brooding guys? Like... There's something about, like, Kurama I really like. I love Zuko. Zuko mm. was also, like, one of my crushes, but, like, I love Kurama. Um, there's something about his personality I really like. And then, like, Yoko Kurama. I'm, like, I'm a huge Sashomaru fan from Inuyasha. And, like, mm-hmm. Yo- Yoko Kurama is, like, the same genre. And so it's, like, how can I not <laughs> like that? Just a silver-haired uh, boy with some some nice little fox ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for playing in between with us, Nessa, uh, and our audience. If you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter, Instagram at straightaheadap, or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. 
want to start off by saying thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining us today, um, being on the podcast. We're so happy to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. We're really excited. And to start off, what is a typical day of a background artist at Six Point Harness? Awesome. So I would say being like a background artist at Six Point Harness is like, it's a little bit different from being like a background artist, say, at like Netflix or like at Nickelodeon. Um, mm-hmm. Six Point Harness is a, it's a smaller studio um, compared to mm-hmm. like Nick or like Cartoon Network or where you're making projects for like another company. The current show that we're working on um, is something mm-hmm. that's meant for uh, Netflix. And like, even though like we create the show, it will be on like a completely different like provider. And for me, being a background artist is that I'm doing both uh, design and paint. Mm. And I believe this is the only show where I've actually done both. Um, most shows I've done mm-hmm. either design or the paint. Usually not both. Usually it's just two different sections. But for this show, um, it's very much up to us on like how to design and paint the backgrounds. And what makes the show really mm. different is like the unique style that they're going for. It's very, it's very, very unique compared to like a lot of the Western animation. I would say like Western American animation that you would see because mm-hmm. it's very inspired by like this very gritty kind of um, style you see in like French animation. I wish I could like mm-hmm. really, really oh. go deep into it, but like it's it's very <laughs> cool. It's a style I've never worked in before too. Oh, nice. And so uh, for me, the typical day is like waking up because I live in Ohio. For me, work starts at noon instead of like nine a.m., um, which mm. is like a bit of a perk. I get to sleep <laughs> in just a little bit more, but um, I do end later in the day, so I end at nine instead of six, which is like the negative side of things. Yeah, the, right. there's a give, there's a give and take. You definitely yeah. have time to sleep in, wake up, have a decent breakfast, and then mm-hmm. you can start. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then it's like, oh, well, it's nine o'clock. What can I really do? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I'll say for like a typical, let's say like Monday morning or Monday afternoon, usually I get started on whatever backgrounds I have um, on deck. It's very, I would say it's, it's a lot of like self-driven work mm. by the way of like mm-hmm. when we're launched on our assignments, we kind of have like a list of things that we have to do, which is typical of like animation, but we're not all launched at the same time doing like the same exact episode. We are launched on like different episodes and like different projects um, that may or may not connect with each other. I would say like for a six point harness and um, this project specifically, it's a little bit like viz devy where um, mm. sometimes the storyboards aren't even like made <laughs> or we don't have like a storyboard for reference. We are very mm. much coming up with like the environment the design, like everything um, oh, for like this particular scene. Uh-huh. I've done a couple backgrounds that are just like that. Some of them, sometimes it does come with the storyboard and it's just a little bit easier to like make a design and then paint it. And so like for about like, five hours i'm usually just working on a background i usually have on deck and then uh, mm. we would actually have check-in meetings so we have check-in meetings twice a week mondays and wednesdays where we just meet up mm. with the crew meet up with the art director and just show what we're working on show some of our progress so like the one they know that we're working and if he has like any advice he wants to give us on like oh maybe you can like change this or like, you can make this better you can elevate this more like he'll just like tell us that um sometimes he does like draw overs over our work which is like really helpful i love when art directors like do drawovers personally, mm-hmm. I think when they're like telling us how to do something, just drawing something over just like makes it much more clear than just like putting it on paper, like writing it down. And yeah, and like the one of the perks of like the meetings is that I get to see everybody else's work, which is like one of the things I didn't get to experience a lot when I was working with other companies besides like one 
or two, I think, mm-hmm. is that because we're not usually meeting up for like the other um, companies I've worked up, we're not meeting up like so often. Um, I don't get to see like what my other coworkers are working on. Right. Were you also full time at those other companies, or it was it because it was more freelance? freelance? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them was because I was freelance, so I wasn't like in the launch meetings because either I was like in school or I was just freelance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them, I would say, is just like that was just how the company worked. It's just how they did their. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. How like they checked their backgrounds. They didn't, re- they didn't have like the background artists in the meeting. They just had you know their our director, the co-supervisor, like whatever um, positions they had ahead of us to check our BG work. Mm-hmm. I'll say like one of the other studios that we did do this with was Nickelodeon, where I worked on The Loud House and I did get to see everybody else's work. And I oh, think that cool. was really oh, cool. cool, especially background and paint, <laughs> which mm-hmm. um, for some like some other studios usually just meet with like just like the design artists or like mm-hmm. just the paint artists. But like with Nick and then Six Point Harness, I think. It was just really cool that like actually got to meet with like the people that I'm working with and see their work and like their approach to their work. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, for like the rest of the day after our meeting, I'm just like working. I'm usually like listening to music or watching a show. This is how I work. I have to have background noise or else like I feel I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like going to go crazy. But yeah, I'm usually I usually I'm primarily work on Photoshop uh, for work. That's just industry standard. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say it's a typical day. It's just working, having a meeting, probably have my lunch, of course. <laughs> and I absolutely take breaks here and there. I, just, I can't sit on my butt for like hours on end. That's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes throughout the weeks, I would do an exercise before I actually start working just to work out my wrists, just to make sure my wrist isn't like, isn't falling oh, apart good. by the end of the day. Um, and I <laughs> highly recommend like most artists like start doing like a a small exercise right before they get to work, like jump roping or like some arm stretches. It will make your wrist last much longer um, in the long run, you know, so you don't end up having like carpal tunnel or like having to wear a wrist brace when you work. Just to make mm-hmm. sure like you're strengthening your wrist because um, at the end of the day, when you're working full time, you're going to be working a lot of hours and like in a lot of days. So like you just want to make sure that like the thing that you're using to draw is like the strongest thing on your body, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's so important. Yeah, I even started incorporating when I w- when I wake up, I do some stretches. So I've, I've been trying to incorporate that in my wake up routine before I like get my day started. I think my my, my episodic director he was telling me that like the thing he does to loosen up because he's found that it's been helping him is that like, he washes some dishes in the morning just to loosen up his wrists and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, cool. Yeah, it's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah, but something just to kind of like get the muscles going or get the blood flowing um, before you just kind of clutch that pencil <laughs> and just draw all day uh one of the things i'm kind of actually curious about because you said you kind of get launched launched on a you have like this list of the backgrounds you need to do because this is something I'm, i want to know more about is that when you get launched and you have this list are you typically always like in the same location so let's say like an episode takes place like in the main character's bedroom and then it takes place like at school and then let's say there's a park scene um just for like consistency let's say like you have all the bedroom background someone else has all the park and someone else has all the school or do you get like a sprinkle of everything like how does that usually work when there's multiple locations this is what's the interesting thing about working at six point harness this is like one of the shows where when i'm launched on an assignment i actually don't usually have hookups like right there and then usually my hookups will come in a bit later so Mm -hmm. for some Mm -hmm. of the backgrounds i'm working on they're usually just like not necessarily connected with each other they might be in like the same episode um, they might be like completely different episodes, but 
lot of like the hookups I've done to like a background I may have done like let's say like a few months ago like came in like much later. Usually they we would like do like coverage a little later like we're looking at the storyboards again. Mobile like oh wait we need like a reverse coverage of this background. Can you do this? And I'm like yeah I can definitely make a reverse of that because it's like both design and paint. Um, sometimes like hookups uh, we don't necessarily need them right at that moment because sometimes things are things might change um the director might want something else uh, to be different just like for some reason on the one like two months later we decide like actually this needs to be a bit different can you change this and then can you actually have another coverage can you have a reverse of this compared to like when i was working at um cartoon network on we baby bears all of my backgrounds were like connected to each other most of them were the establishing shot or and then like it's hookups and so that would make the work like very like very consistent on like the colors and like the lighting that would have to use compared to like six point harness where a lot of times it doesn't exactly connect with each other and a lot of uh, my other peers might actually get the hookups a lot of my other uh, co-workers might actually get the hookup for um what i'm currently working on for example like i did like a city shot scene and then one of my other co-workers had like another view of that scene so like mm. she had to use the bg i did to do that as scene. a reference guide as a reference guide yeah where like usually um i would have like all of these scenes taking place in this location because i'm the one who established the lighting and color but like it's i would say it's, it's it becomes sort of like more collaborative at that point where like because mm. um, i worked on this and then you worked on that we can just say hey what did you do for this or how did you get that kind of thing or where did you get that kind of texture mm. it, it, it kind of mm. comes like a little bit more fun in that kind of way Interesting. Uh, so how did you actually get your start in the animation industry? Because you, like you said, you're in your first year. You only graduated a year ago from college. And from the looks of it, it looks like you freelance a bit in college and freelance probably a bit afterwards. How did you land in yeah. animation? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. It's going to be so weird to say, but it's like, thanks to the pandemic. <laughs> in a weird oh. way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what happened is, is that my junior year of college, um, around March, we were all kicked out of school. Mm-hmm. So like, I lived in Providence then. And so because of the pandemic, they just said, get out, go home. We had like a week to go <laughs> to pack all our stuff for the following year and then like, get out. Gosh. It was like, it was like getting that bad. And so... I applied to a lot of internships that year and because of the pandemic, a lot of the internships ended up like canceling or like closing. So I was very, I was very distraught that year. I didn't know what to do because at that time I thought I had to do an internship. No, if I don't do an internship, I won't get into the animation. I won't be able to like Mm -hmm. be an artist or anything. And um, that's when like a lot of um, artists were reaching out, out to like, especially black artists um, to do like mentorships or like, do like studies with them, small things mm-hmm. like that, even though like mm-hmm. they weren't like big like internship stuff. It was like the small things, like a lot of like already established industry artists were doing for a lot more small artists. And the mentorship that I applied to um, the summer of uh, 2020, her name is uh, Valerie Schwartz. She's the current, I believe the current art director for uh, We Baby Bears. At the oh. time, I didn't know. And she had a mentorship for background art. And even at the time, I didn't even know what I wanted to do exactly. I was very, like, much like, I guess I want to do this stuff, but I don't really know what I want to do. I guess, like, I like characters, I like Mm -hmm. um, backgrounds, but, like, I don't really know. And so Mm -hmm. um, she was doing one specifically on background art, so I was like, you know what, what the hell? I'm going to apply to this. I'm going to, like, read my case, and, like, hopefully I get it. And, like, she said 
she really liked my work and like for about three months we basically just had like a small mentorship together uh where like basically just mm. took me through the rundown of like what animation is like what like her journey was like for her um we did some like assignments together i did a lot of studies just like understanding like how background art works and that was like pretty much the launching point for me of like this is why i love to do i love backgrounds <laughs> I love lighting. I love color. I love design. I love all those things. And she gave me my first freelance. She let me do a test uh, for We Baby Bears. And the showrunner at the time, um, Mandy Hernandez, uh, really liked my work. And that's how I got my first start in freelancing for Cartoon Network. And it was for a brand new show. And I was so excited for it. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. basically like from there, that's when everything started to launch off. I was doing freelance while I was in my senior year of college. So like you can only imagine being a senior. I had like my like senior like projects and like my all my senior classes. I was like taking more classes than I should have actually at the time, but I was still <laughs> freelancing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then like even then from there, like I wasn't just doing We Baby Bears. I did the boys diabolical. I was one of the background designers for an episode. Um, I did background uh-huh. paint for uh, Middlemost posts as well. Exactly at the same time I was doing Du Bois Diabolical. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And once I got out of college, um, that's when I started to work on uh, The Loud House for a couple of months. And um, mm-hmm. I was doing background design. And the show was very different for me, too, because um, for my designs, I'm very like, I'm more closer to reality and more closer to like exact perspective. Where for right. um, mm-hmm. The Loud House, it's a lot more cartoony. It's a lot more comic booky. You don't have to be like mm-hmm. perfect with your perspective. And that just, it just kind of like made room for me to just like explore style a little bit more. And then from The Loud House, I worked on Netflix for an adult series that's like still in the A, so I wish I could talk about it. But I worked on background mm-hmm. paint for that show. And then from there, I moved on to Six Point Harness. But I've also done like smaller things like here and there. Like I said, I've also, I've done background paint for a test pilot for uh, Disney, which I wish mm. I could talk about, but still NDA, but like, hopefully <laughs> if the project is greenlit, I can just like, I'll definitely point out, hopefully if it's greenlit. For sure. I've done like small commissions for people for like their pitches and all that stuff. And yeah, like this is like, this is how my journey has been. And like, it, it's very, it's very much has been a lot. And I've like, I've gone through a lot, um, even though like, it seems like I'm like a very, at a very high point of my life. I did hit like a really low point where I did end up getting sick for about three months. And it wasn't even with COVID, it was with, it was with like something else completely. I was very stressed. I was very burnt out um, mm. because like I came from college and like, I was still doing all this work and like, I didn't really give myself like time to like rest. And uh, yeah. because of that, I ended up getting sick. And like, at, there was a point where I was like in the hospital. It wasn't like too serious, but um, it oh, made me realize, sure. you know, like I have to make like room for myself, even though like I love to work and I love animation. There's this time mm-hmm. where like you just have to like stop and like take a break and like take take time for yourself. And like just make sure, making sure that like when you're investing all this time into the work that you're doing, just make sure you're investing a lot of time into like how you're taking care of yourself. Because like, I mean, you're the artist and like, there's only one of there's only one of you. So like, yeah, if you if you want to mm-hmm. work in this industry so badly, you know, you have to make sure that like you are in good health to like function in this industry because it can it can be hard and it can be um, very strenuous. And there's like mm-hmm. a lot of like quick turnarounds. 
much you have to do and there's a lot of work and there's a lot of drawing so like I always just say like making sure like taking care of yourself was like became the most important thing that I had to learn coming into this industry yeah that was crazy Mm -hmm. what you were saying you were working on both like middlemost posts and diabolical at the same time and you're doing school like that's that's so (laughs) much and like I mean like you said there's only one of you but like there's always going to be like the next coolest project so really like Mm -hmm. as a student especially don't be afraid to just like turn one down because you already got like one on your plate like right please mm-hmm. take care of so yourself many projects i had to turn down <laughs> so many <laughs> yeah. really, really cool projects i had to like, i just had to say no to um like mm. for one example i had an opportunity to work on a new proud family series but i couldn't uh, yeah. work on it <laughs> <laughs> um, not because i was sick but because i was in school and they wanted me for full time but unfortunately oh, okay. because i was in school i couldn't work full time so i just said I had to say no. For sure. I'm so sad because the show is so up my alley. Yeah. So in that situation, you chose to graduate instead of taking a full-time job. Because basically, you know, we're going to school for a full-time. So yeah. just kind of really quickly, why did you decide to make the decision instead of taking the full-time, wanting to continue your education? I think, I don't necessarily think like everybody has to like go to school and like graduate to like get a job and work in the industry. But for me, there's Mm -hmm. like kind of like a satisfaction in like, graduating school like this is something I very much really wanted to do um art school Mm -hmm. and like art college is something I really really wanted to go into and like there's a part of me that really wanted to like make my parents proud (laughs) um especially Mm -hmm. for me being Ghanaian like art isn't really something um a lot of like first generation children get to like really like experience a lot of like parents that are like oh you know should be like a doctor or a lawyer like boring jobs you know <laughs> and for me like yeah. art is like art is something i've always always just wanted to do um even if I, like, I didn't realize it that it's just like it was just a part of my life and um for me like being in college and then like wanting to graduate was very much like a step in in the direction i really wanted to take i really want to prove that like oh this is worth it this is like worth something and like the mm-hmm. education i got in school was very much helping me to get the jobs that um I did get, even though like there's some things I can like complain about school. Absolutely. Like who can't complain about art school? But, <laughs> yeah. but um, I would, at the end of the day, I say there's so much worth to it because of a lot of the friends and a lot of the connections I've made. It's very much an experience I, I can't forget. And like graduating, mm-hmm. I especially think for, like first generation children is, is this, it's something really like gratifying. And it's just something that I think at the end, they just like really makes the family proud especially when it's like something that like you know like culturally like is not really like looked forward to especially like especially for like african parents so like for me Mm -hmm. it it just it Mm -hmm. really is just showing that like art is worth like pushing your kids into Mm -hmm. you know it does it doesn't just have to be like medicine or engineering like art is really art is really much worth what um what it is like it's everywhere and like Obviously, like, I'm making money from it. I'm making very good money. Um, <laughs> that's, like, the thing I have to always tell my parents. And so, like, when I got, like, my diploma, um, which is, like, sitting somewhere downstairs, I don't even know where it is, actually. <laughs> it, it, it did really much, it did very much prove that, like, everything I went through to, like, get to where I am was very much worth it. This is why, mm-hmm. like, I really, I chose to graduate instead of, like, going through a full-time job. Even if the outcome could have been the same, there's just something worth about like number one, the money had to had to pay for school. And like, even though like for it's sure. just a piece of paper, 
there's like there's some like symbol behind it for me that like makes mm-hmm. me kind of proud of like mm-hmm. the journey that I had to take. Yeah, it's like personal cultural context and everything yeah. like that. Absolutely. I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to um, double back on your mentorship with. I'm sorry, what was her name again? Value Shorts. Yeah. Your like mentorship with her was super important to you getting like your first freelance. And like, uh, I have another friend who took a uh, like an online course to supplement her. Well, we actually had her on the podcast, Maddie Julik. She took an online course to supplement her schooling to like really push her painting and design skills to the next level. But what was really valuable about that was that like, she was directly showing her work to a person in the industry or with industry experience who could say like, hey, like I see potential in you or like you really got the chops. Like, do you want to take a test? You know, do you want to take on some freelance that I have left over like that I would really like I think you could do? I think that's so important, like making genuine connections and stuff like that. When people say networking, it's a little intimidating, but that's really what it is. Like Mm -hmm. if you want to take a course in something and even you didn't know like what you really wanted to do. You want to take a course, take a mentorship, like figure it out for yourself. Like people will just approach you with opportunities Mm -hmm. and like you can make those opportunities for yourself by just putting yourself out there. Absolutely. Um, So like highly recommend doing more than just school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely recommend doing more than school. And that's like where the internship thing comes in, you know, for a lot Mm -hmm. of people, like a lot of people may not be able to do like internships. And that's why I think mentorships or like Online schooling, especially like it's since it's like much cheaper, are really, really, really good resources to get into the industry. And like I was Mm going to say, like, I always think it's funny how like scary the word networking is. Yeah, because it's like the feeling of like putting yourself out there, having to meet people. But I think the interesting thing is that like when you're in school, like when you're doing these online classes, like that's pretty much all that you're doing. You're networking. Mm-hmm. And like I always say, it's like networking is more like making friends and like making like business partners or like all these like business dragons or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I would say like one of the coolest things is that a lot of the work I've gotten has been because of networking or like social media or like people who I was mutuals with. Especially this current yeah. job I had, it was actually through a mutual that recommended me to this company. Oh. Uh, for this job and like I didn't even think like I didn't even think like my style fit but like through this show I was like I was able to like learn a lot more about like different styles and like working different ways like working with photo bashing and that's like that's like one of the cool things about networking especially when you're working working like working in the industry like you meet other people you meet your co-workers and like that's still another form of networking because you know one day like your co-workers are gonna leave and get other jobs and hey, they may recommend you to like somebody else. And like, it's just, it's just yeah. all networking. I always just call it just like making mm-hmm. friends because <laughs> networking is just so intimidating. Yeah. So one of the things I kind of want to also ask is that since we we're kind of talking about school, while you were attending the Rhode Island School of Design, you held a few leadership positions, including uh, president of the RISD Concept Art Club. What was your experience participating in extracurriculars while attending art school? Yeah. I would say like extracurriculars are probably like one of the highlights of going to RISD. There's a lot of like mm. school clubs and functions and like being the president of like the concept art club. It was just it was just really showing like my enthusiasm for animation and just like really wanting to like as much as I like knew from like the Internet and like other people just wanting to tell people about this mm-hmm. and like giving them the resources as well to like make it into the industry, even if like I hadn't made it quite yet there's still stuff that like i may know and like may like uh want to give to other people's especially like freshmen or like sophomores who like for like for them they like they don't quite know like 
the ups and downs of like animation, the highs and lows of animation. Mm-hmm. So is this mm-hmm. when you were a senior and you had already done the, the mentorship? This was actually when I was a junior. I was actually an officer when I was a sophomore. And uh, oh, okay. Oh, wow. And the current um, president at the time was two years older than me. And she's currently, I think she's working as a visual development artist. I forget where, but like the president and like the other officers are like all working like really cool jobs. Like one of them's like a tattoo mm-hmm. artist and one of them is working in publishing. Oh, so cool. Yes. Yeah. So, so like they're they're out doing really cool things. So like the information that like they gave to me, because I, I was just so like enthusiastic about animation while I was at RISD. A lot of the information that they gave to me, I really want to relate to like other people. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the information I was learning like through Twitter, like through um, like Instagram, like all those stuff. I, like I want to give that to other people. And like we had like a ton of like art books and like some of the resources that we may get through class that like may some people may not be able to take or like some people may like maybe like from a different major. Um, which is like one of the cool things about like the concept at club. It was open to like everybody, like people from like Brown University because we're right next to Brown University um, could come in and join our club. People from mm-hmm. like textiles or like industrial design can like come in and join our club if they just like want to chill and draw and like watch a movie or something like that. Or if they really want to like learn about like designing like a character, or, like designing backgrounds or like doing storyboards, or, like doing comics, like they can learn about that. And, like, Concept Art Club wasn't, like, just for animation. Like, we try to, like, give him information about, like, comics, about, like, the gaming industry. I was, like, I was mostly, like, the animation girl. I had, like, two other officers who, one was interested in, like, comics and publishing. Other one, he was also interested in animation, but he also knew a lot about, like, the gaming industry. Um, And Mm -hmm. one of the other cool things, too, is that we're able to, like, collab with other clubs as well. There was, like, a gaming club at our school that would actually make games, at the end of the year, which is really cool. So like, we'll sometimes have like a little collab session with them. We'll often have like speaker events where I'll bring in like a speaker. Usually it would be like an alumni or if I somehow get like a cool connection with somebody, I'll bring them in and like they'll do, <laughs> <laughs> they'll do a speaker event themselves. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, for me, it's just, it's just like who I am as a person. Um, I just really want to help other people out as well and mm-hmm. like it's it's really i think it kind of reflects the goal that i have for animation is that i really want to like i really want to be an art director someday and also really want to be a showrunner someday so like i think is is for me it's just kind of like a step in like the leadership position that i really want to want to hold someday yeah that's mm-hmm. really important because a lot of the times in the industry somebody will be promoted because they're just like a good artist or something but they just don't have any leadership skills and it's not their fault because it's an entirely separate skill from like being an artist and yeah, there's no training for it or set. anything so yeah getting a head start on that is i feel like a good good step forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, something also we want to comment on is that you have such a strong style with fun shapes and dynamic lighting but looking at your portfolio, what stood out to us was you had a couple of like Danny Phantom redesigns. <laughs> what are your thoughts on including redesigns or even like fan art in your portfolio? Yeah, I have I have opinions about that. It's only because I actually do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> I did that two years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I even like I low key even forgot it was in my portfolio. <laughs> but when it, <laughs> they, look great. they look like they should be yeah, there. That nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm a big advocate for putting fan art in your portfolio and like just like putting like that type of art in the portfolio because art is, is still art no matter like what the content is. It doesn't have to be necessarily original work. I think if there's like if there's a principle of design or paint that's going on within that piece, I think it deserves to be shown um, as a portfolio piece. 
And like when I was going through school, um, especially like a lot of like the old traditional professors, um, they were like very much like, <laughs> against that. Like, oh, you shouldn't put this kind of work in your portfolio. But like sometimes yeah. like fan art could be the strongest type of work and that and fan art may be the way some people express their artistic ability. They may not like they may not like making original work or like making original characters. And for them, fan art is that kind of outlet. And if that mm-hmm. is like the way that they show how strong of an artist they are, I think that it deserves to have a place in their portfolio. And like, this is probably not like, it's probably not controversial at all, to be honest. But I think there is worth putting fan art in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. It shows like what you're interested in, like the type of work that you want to make and like the type of content that you also absorb. Like if you have a lot of anime in your portfolio, there's sure enough, like somebody who likes anime and like all that stuff might like commission you for something. Or like if a show has like a very anime like style they may be like looking for the type of work that you make, you know, as long as it's really strong work, it really doesn't matter the type of content that is, whether it's fan art or original work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well put. Yeah, yeah, I can I can agree more, especially now. Because, um, yeah, the thing that I think I held on to what you said is that as long as the fan art shows some kind of design or like, you know, painting or texturing element that you're adding to it, it's not just a direct copy of what, the original source material is you are introducing something like hey this is what i can do with an ip or this is what i can do with a pre-made concept this is how i can like add on it or my spin on it you know mm-hmm. so i think that's very much true and yeah for me doing those danny phantom redesigns i realized i said two years ago i meant to say a year ago <laughs> when I did those, <laughs> time doesn't mean anything right now it really, yeah. in this pandemic in this world in this plague it really doesn't mean anything but mm-hmm. for me um it's taking elements of like a show that I loved as a child and like trying to like put like my own spin on it and like how mm-hmm. I came to understand the art and design. And like, for me, the question was like, if I were to art direct the show, how would I do it? But how would I also mm. keep the integrity of the show within my style? And that's kind of like how I like came to approach those redesigns. For mm-hmm. sure. So one of the things that I want to ask is because again, we interview artists of color because that's the artists and voices that we want to spotlight. Uh, something I kind of want to ask is how does your cultural background influence your art, if it does at all? Absolutely. I would say one of the biggest things for me is just like anytime I'm like making a character, like making a story, it's very important for me to put a person of color at the forefront of those stories. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like growing up, like most of the content you see would feature white people. <laughs> and um, yeah. for me, I think it's <laughs> it's very important to see other people of color as the main characters of the stories. And like, I grew up living like in the Ghanaian community, but also grew up with like a lot of like Latinos in my community, a lot of like Asians within my community. And that's like a lot of the people mm-hmm. that like I grew up around. So I know like um, by my culture, like for example, like my parents, um, they own a shop just like not too far from where I'm currently living. And like right next to it is a Mexican bakery. And I used to go there when I was younger to like just grab oh, some, wow. tre- yeah, some treats yeah and i <laughs> think um for me even though like this like i'm not mexican obviously i think there's like a really cool importance to show like those like interesting like cultural like backgrounds that like i did like end up growing up with mm-hmm. and like showing them like this is how some people live like you know like i may be got in but like i also love um getting to like share a some, melting like, pot <laughs> yeah there you go those that was the kind of word i was looking for i couldn't think of the word <laughs> yeah like showing the type of melting pot that we are and like showing the importance of like all these different cultures within each other mm. and for me like putting like people of color at the forefront of the stories is the most important becomes like the most important thing because 
Um, number mm-hmm. one, like identity is so important to us. You know, like a lot of people's bios may state who the race are because their identity is like who they are and they want to like make sure like I just want you to know like being black it uh, really informs like who I am as a person like how the type of art mm-hmm. I make and like for me being black um, really informs that like the stories I want to tell and like the environments I want to like show even though I grew up in Columbus and Columbus is not a huge city I was born in New Jersey mm-hmm. in like the city like in Newark um, so we did a lot of traveling to New York and like to me that also is like a part of like my identity like I like the city like like a lot of like cultures like different cultures you see around the city and that's like that's I feel like that's a very important thing to show I very much hate suburbia (laughs) 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 and so like if there's any chance I get in the story to like really like go in and talk about like what it's like to be like a minority within like a city especially when you go to like inner city schools or like school that may be like predominantly like black or like schools that may have a different type of like culture background than like a school you may see in like a white suburban like neighborhood i feel like those types mm-hmm. of stories and those types of culture backgrounds are like very important to tell and like specifically for me to be Ghanaian, like and like just to be west african i think like showing those like types of characters like especially african characters um within my story especially like african-american like first generation characters are like very mm. important as like a storytelling element and like as mm-hmm. storytelling, but also like to show like those people who are like first generation or like they may be African that like they can be protagonists too. Your their story is just as important as like you know the story of that white person as well. So I think at this point in the industry, we're getting to a point where we're realizing these stories are important too. And like when I'm making when I'm getting into the industry, I want to show like how truly important these things are. So like mm-hmm. hopefully if I if I ever make a show one day like those are what my characters are gonna be they're gonna be predominantly people of color because it's it's really important for me that like people of color know that like animation and like entertainment industry is something that they can really get into that they can be a part of and like their stories can be told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you, Nessa? And is there anything else you would like to promote? Yeah, so they can find me on Twitter. My handle is the potent pro, so the and then like potent without the T. It's like P O T E N and then pro. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> handle. It's a long story, but <laughs> um, you can also find me on Instagram. It's just my name Nessa and then like half of my last name T W E N dot art. So as we come to a close, is there any final advice you'd want to give those who want to pursue a career in animation? Yeah, um, I would say my advice would be to just shoot your shots you don't know like who you're gonna meet in the industry and i know putting yourself out there on the internet is really hard i've been drawing and putting my art on the internet for like a decade now and like it only (laughs) took like the past like year to actually really get my work noticed and like i know a lot of people just say hey keep doing what you're doing like it will come through and sometimes it may not feel like it's coming through but like in the long run i promise that like there is always going to be a breakthrough and there's always going to be somebody who's going to be the biggest fan of your work. So I always just say like to, you know, to like high schoolers or like college students who feel like I'm not really getting like exposed or anything like that. Just like keep doing what you're doing. If anything, just like put yourself out there. If there's like hashtag events going on, if there's some like type of like month trend thing going on, just like search some work and like there's definitely somebody who's always going to find you who's going to love your work. And like I said, too, you know, you don't always have to, like, do an internship to get into animation. There's so many other paths. There's so many, like, 
other ways to get into animation. You know, it's it's always a, it's always going to be a personal journey for everybody. But just remember that, like, if you don't get that like big internship that you always dreamed of, don't worry, it's not the end of the world. No matter what, you're always going to get your foot in the door, and like, next thing you know, you're somehow wound up in animation, sitting on your desk for eight hours a day drawing. <laughs> Well, that's perfect advice. And thank you so much for joining us today, Nessa. And if you audience enjoyed our interview today, please rate and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. Thanks, Nessa, for putting all your stuff on Twitter so we could find you. Absolutely. (laughs) If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our... Special thanks to our editor, Ashley Itliong. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Were you about to say special thanks to our Ashley? Yeah, special thanks to our Ashley. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Ashley. Sorry. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.